Welcome to the sermon podcast of Paley Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Reverend Dr. David Bruner. As we prepare to hear our scripture this morning, I'd like you to pray with me. Good and gracious God, our Father in heaven, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to be among us in this time. Inspire us so that we can hear what you want to say to us, so that we may be humbled by the message of your cross, and that we may put its lessons into practice in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's reading is from the 53rd chapter of the book of Isaiah. I'm reading from the Message Translation. Who believes what we've heard and seen? Who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? The servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him. We thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures, but it was our sins that did this to him, that ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment, and that made us whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. On him. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he'd give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones, as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly, 
the best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest. He took on his own shoulders the sin of the many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. The word of the Lord. Well, friends, as many of you know, we're continuing a sermon series called I Believe. That's looking at the Apostles' Creed, a historic confession of the Christian faith. And this week, uh, in the Apostles' Creed, we look at our confession that Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and was buried. And it, implicit in those very brief words is an idea we find expressed throughout Scripture, but with particular clarity in that passage I just read from Isaiah 53, that Jesus' sufferings and death are not for himself. They are not for himself, they are on behalf of others, including you and me. When Isaiah says that it was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us, that's what he means. Our sins sent Jesus to the cross. That's what we're talking about this week. This idea, the message of the cross, that our sins sent Jesus to the cross, it's notoriously challenging. In my favorite book of the Bible, 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul calls the message of the cross a stumbling block. He says many people regard it as foolishness. And there's a lot of reasons for that. It's challenging among other things because it means this. The cross means that no person or group is so good that they don't need forgiveness. And no person or group is so bad that they can't receive forgiveness. No person or group is so good that they don't need forgiveness, and no person or group is so bad that they can't receive forgiveness. Now, that's a sort of idea that sounds good in principle, but when you try to apply it to particular cases, it can be very difficult indeed. <laughs> At least it's difficult for me. I have to admit that I don't particularly like thinking of myself as needing forgiveness. And I don't like thinking of people who are like me, people in my group, my sort of people, as being in need of forgiveness. Me and my tribe, whoever we are, I think we're basically good people. You know, maybe we screw up every once in a while, make a mistake here and there, but we're basically good. I don't know if we need to be forgiven. It's that group over there, those people that I don't like, they are the ones who are bad. They're the ones that need forgiveness. Now, it's interesting, right? You probably have a group of people in your life. You have a group of those people that you think are bad, that you think need forgiveness. And your group of those people may not be the same as my group of those people. <laughs> but we probably both have a group of those people that we think really need forgiveness. I don't like thinking of that group of people as being extended forgiveness by God. I, I don't want them to be let off the hook. 
And I have to admit, I struggle with the message of the cross in that way. And I think more than a few people are like me. A year or two ago, I was listening to a podcast, and the host made a passing remark that really stopped me in my tracks. He said, America is increasingly divided between two camps, those whose motto is never apologize, and those whose motto is never forgive. Those who say, on one hand, never back down, never admit you're wrong, never seek forgiveness. And on the other hand, never uh, accept an apology, never let someone off the hook, never extend forgiveness. I think these two attitudes are pretty prevalent in our culture today. You can probably think of people who fit those two positions pretty easily. And what's interesting, of course, is that both those perspectives are ways of saying, I am all good and you are all bad. I am 100% right and you are 100% wrong. You need forgiveness, but not me. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ stands in stark opposition to both those perspectives. The cross of Jesus Christ won't let us off the hook that easily. In the words of the Apostle Paul from the book of Romans, the cross tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Everyone needs God's forgiveness because everybody sins. And there are ways that this can challenge our intuitive sense of right and wrong. If you're anything like me, you want your moral lines drawn clearly and unambiguously. You want to know who's good and who's bad. You want to know who's the hero of the film and who's the villain of the film. And of course, here in the church, it's an important part of our job to teach people the difference between right and wrong, that there is a difference between right and wrong. But of course, there's a trap here Two, human beings like to think that wherever that line is between right and wrong, good and evil, that they are on the right side of it. <laughs> and the valuable and indispensable distinction between right and wrong can be used to scapegoat people, to demonize whole groups of people, and to cover up my own sinfulness the complicity of me and people like me in wrongdoing. Many years ago, a Russian author named Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote these powerful words. I want to share them with you. The line separating good and evil passes not between states, not between classes, nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and all human hearts. The line between good and evil doesn't run between states or classes or groups. It runs through every human heart. That's really important. Sometimes when you talk about the message of the cross um, and how all have sinned, everybody falls short, it can sound like a kind of moral relativism, right? 
It can sound like you're looking at the world and you're just shrugging your shoulders and saying, well, there really is no difference between good people and bad people. Everybody is equally bad. We live in a night when all cats are gray, blah, 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 blah. Nothing could be further from the truth or from what I'm trying to say today. That's not what the message of the cross is trying to say. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the writer who wrote that quote I just shared with you, is actually a really helpful illustration in this respect. Um, he grew up in Soviet Russia, and he spent much of his life speaking out against uh, the oppression of Soviet communism. He was not naive about the reality of evil and wickedness in the world and the need to fight back against it. But he was also wise enough to know that we all have good and evil in us. Just like Jesus was wise enough to know that we all have sins that need his blood to atone for them. That, I think, is the message of the cross. This weekend at uh, Paoli, the Racial Equity Group is hosting a discussion about the powerful film 13th. Um, I commend it to you. I hope some of you will be able to join us uh, on Sunday. If you haven't seen the film, you can actually watch it for free on YouTube. So if you haven't, I encourage you to check it out. Um, it's a film about our criminal justice system here in America. And it speaks powerfully to just this issue, to the message of the cross. I am an educated white guy living in a relatively affluent suburban area. And it's easy for me to see the sin when someone breaks the law, when they commit some violent act, when they deal drugs, when they steal. Those things are wrong. No two ways about it. But it is a lot more difficult for me to see the ways that our criminal justice system privileges white folks like me and stacks the deck against people of color, especially poor people of color. Lousy living conditions in many black neighborhoods create what some experts chillingly call a school-to-prison pipeline. Black folks are arrested at a wildly disproportionate rate compared to their share of the population. An astonishing one out of every three black men born at the turn of the century will come into contact with the criminal justice system. America incarcerates way, way more people than many other countries. We have 5% of the world's population and 25% of its incarcerated prisoners. Almost 3 million people in this country are in prison. For a frame of reference, the city of Philadelphia has about 1.5 million people living in it. I believe those things are wrong too. But if I'm honest, I don't often think about them too much because they don't affect me personally. Is it only criminals who need forgiveness? Or is it, is it also people like me who all too often ignore the problems of poor people and people of color unless and until they commit a crime? Did Jesus shed his blood on the cross only to forgive respectable sins? The sins of educated white people like me? Or did he also die 
so that even the sins of people whose behavior rightly shocks us can be restored, reclaimed, forgiven. Standing before the cross of Christ, will I be brave enough to admit that I too need forgiveness? And will I be brave enough to seek to extend that same forgiveness to a brother or sister who may not look like me, who may not talk like me, who may not have anything in common with me except the most important thing, that Jesus died for us both? It was our pains he carried, our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us, he took the punishment, and that made us whole. That's what Isaiah said. Friends, we have all been recipients of the costly grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, purchased at the cost of his blood. Let us not shrink from proclaiming and living out the message of the cross. May we be bold enough to seek forgiveness for ourselves and humble enough to strive to grant it to others. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Amen.